What's up Raider Nation, Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride here. It was another disappointing loss for the Raiders on Christmas Eve, and we only have two more regular season games left, but the Raiders have made plenty of headlines over the last week, and we still have your questions to go over as we start to shift to the offseason. So with that, let's do it. Alright, I'll start by talking about the gigantic elephant in the room, as I'm sure by now you've either heard or you know that the Raiders are benching Derek Carr for the last two games of the regular season. The reason being, Carr's contract extension that he signed in the offseason includes an injury clause where if he were to get injured this season, $33 million of his salary for next season becomes fully guaranteed, and $7.5 million for 2024 will be guaranteed as well. What that means is the Raiders can move on from Carr in the offseason and only take on a little more than a $5.5 million dead cap hit, so the assumption is that this signals the end of the Derek Carr era for the Raiders. Head coach Josh McDaniels was asked about the decision and wouldn't say or confirm that the team is moving on from Carr and instead try to spin that decision as an opportunity to evaluate Jarrett Stidham, but I'm not even going to bother reading that quote to you guys because quite honestly, I think it's kind of insulting to our intelligence to try and pass this, this decision off as that. However, as I'm sure it's on your mind, I will read what wide receiver Devontae Adams had to say in response to his quarterbacks and college teammates benching. Obviously, I don't think anyone was excited about it. Him being one of my really good friends and the reason why I came here in the first place, I wouldn't be here right now if he wasn't here. I think everybody knows how I feel about him. With that said, it is a process of how things go, but I obviously support my guy. Adams also posted a couple of pictures and a video of him and Carr on Instagram with the following caption. This man gave everything he had. The reason I'm a Raider. One of the most disciplined and loving people I know. Got my brothers back through whatever, and if you can't respect it, excuse my language, Middle finger emoji, you. Love you, bruh. Carr and the Raiders mutually agreed that he stay away from the team for the next two weeks to avoid being a distraction as Jarrett Stidham will start and Chase Garbers has been elevated from the practice squad to the active roster to back up Stidham. On behalf of Raider Nation, if this is the end, Derek, I just want to say thank you. While plenty of people within the fan base have differing opinions about you, there is no denying that you've been the best and most successful quarterback the Raiders have had in the last 20 years and that you've dealt with a lot of crap and handled it all with class. No matter what you think of Derek Carr, the football player, there's no denying that he is a good person. And best of luck to you whatever in, whatever your next endeavor is, Derek. Well, after all that, the show must go on, as they say, and the Raiders have also placed a few defenders on injured reserve this week in defensive end Chandler Jones, elbow, linebacker Denzel Perryman, shoulder, and cornerback Rocky Sin, knee, subsequently ending all three of their seasons. Jones and Perryman got injured in last week's loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, while Yassin has been out since week 13 against the Los Angeles Chargers. That should pave the way for bigger roles for Cleveland Farrell, Darian Butler, and Amick Robinson to finish out the year, which is significant for Farrell as he's set to hit free agency this offseason, while Butler looks to prove himself as an undrafted rookie, and Robertson continues to get opportunities to prove he deserves a bigger role going into what will be a contract year for him in 2023. Meanwhile, Perryman and Yassin are set to have their current contracts expire when the new league year begins in March, but Jones still has two years left. For a nice natural transition, how about we get into this week's roster transactions as a few of them are corresponding moves to everything I've already told you about so far. The Raiders pluck defensive end Isaac Rochelle from off the Browns practice squad and onto their active roster. Rochelle is a native of McDonough, Georgia, and went to Notre Dame where he was a 7th round pick by the Chargers in 2017 and has spent the last two years with the Colts and Browns, picking up 103 total tackles and 9.5 sacks in his career. 
Vegas elevated linebacker Harvey Lange from the practice squad to the active roster, restored offensive lineman Vitaly Gurman to the practice squad, and released wide receiver Albert Wilson from it. They also signed defensive lineman Trent Harris to the practice squad, who is a five-year pro from Miami and has spent time with the Patriots, Dolphins, Giants, and Ravens, racking up 34 career tackles and two sacks. The Raiders also signed linebacker Austin Calitro to the practice squad and released guard Willie Wright from it. After another blown lead last week, running back Josh Jacobs was very vocal in his post-game press conference and didn't hold back on his frustrations, stating, It's bullshit. It's on all of us. Everybody wants to talk about the defense, but they made their stops when they were supposed to. We have to help them out, and I'm tired of saying that. On the Steelers' stop in the run, Jacobs continued with, We still had opportunities to make plays. I felt like we were close and about and about to get a big one and went away from it. The passing game was working early, but to win these games in the cold, you have to run the ball. I'm tired of dealing with this. Every day I come here and I bust my ass and I see guys busting their ass and the results is not there. For me, the last four years, the result has not been there. And quite frankly, I don't know what else to do. Jacobs also said this week that he won't be sitting out for the next two weeks, despite the team having nothing to play for and him about to hit free agency. We'll see if his post-game comments have any bearing on how much he wants to return to Las Vegas in the offseason. All right, the news roundup is going to be pretty short this week, and I'll combine it with the playoff elimination scenarios since Carr has been by far the biggest news story coming out of Las Vegas this week. First up, per vivid seats, the average price for a ticket to this weekend's Raiders and 49ers game is $581, and 49ers fans are expected to fill about 60% of the crowd I wouldn't be surprised if that number is even higher on game day since the Raiders are packing it in for the season. Speaking of that, the Raiders do have a minuscule chance at making the playoffs, so here's this week's elimination scenarios via Joe Ferreria, and they're much simpler this week. First, the Raiders will be eliminated if they lose to the 49ers. Second and third, if they do win, then they'll be eliminated if the Dolphins beat the Patriots or the Jets beat the Seahawks. Moving on to this week's injury report, the Raiders only had a few players listed, Carr being one of them, and he's been the only DNP so far this week. Guard Alex Bars has been a full participant with a knee, so was cornerback Nate Hobbs with a quad. Offensive tackle Jackson Barton, back, was limited, and running back Samir White was limited as well with an ankle injury. As for the 49ers, I'd be surprised if wide receiver Debo Samuel ends up playing, but he did return to practice in a limited fashion after being out for a while with an ankle and knee injuries. And quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo remains silent with a foot injury, but other than that, San Francisco is pretty healthy in heading into Sunday, and that'll do it for this week's injury report. Here we go, mailbag time. As your weekly reminder, if you'd like to have your questions answered on a future show, either tweet them at me, adamholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com, adamholder95 on Twitter, or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com via email. First up, how can the Raiders do Derek Carr dirty like that? And this person went on to say about the message it sends to the rest of the locker room and so on. So I'm going to be honest. I'm going to go obviously off script for this and um, kind of just kind of give you guys my thoughts, which unfortunately I apologize in advance if I start rambling a little bit or bounce back and forth. It's just how my mind works. And I don't want to edit this all because I want my real raw reaction to be a part of this. And I want to say this by or answer, sorry, by answering this question of how the Raiders could do Derek Carr dirty like that of, I understand that the organization had to make the decision, that the Raiders, Mark Davis, they had to make the decision that they made. And I don't 
I would I agree with it I, in, in the sense that I was remember watching the Patriots game, sitting there and thinking, man, it just feels like it's time. And I don't know if there was ever going to be a good way for this divorce to happen. You know, it's it's kind of one of those things like to relate it to real life. If your if your parents are going to get divorced and you know it's for the better, it still sucks in the moment, and there is never really like a a good way for that to happen or even bring that news up. And I just feel like the way that this has gone out has been probably the worst way possible where Derek Carr is now getting benched because again, like I was talking about in the intro, he has not played this or he has not, he's played his way into this scenario. Don't get me wrong, but Derek Carr as a human has been pretty freaking good for the Raiders. And again, Derek Carr has been pretty bad these last month. I think I've listed him in the losers column twice in the last two weeks, probably three times in the last five or something like that. So I get it. And like I said, I think the Raiders need to move on, but I also think it's it's fair or you can sit there and say that with the way this is handled, it's shitty for a guy that quite honestly has dealt with a lot of crap from, from the organization. I mean, the guy's first head, he had his first head coach for four games and has had six in nine years, dealt with plenty of crap, dealt with plenty of turnover in the front office, dealt with three GMs. The first three in like the organization's history, right? Six coaches, all the crap that happened last year with John Gruden and Henry Ruggs, all the COVID crap that he's had to deal with, and the entire time he hasn't said a bad word about the organization. And say what you want about Derek Carr not winning. The Raiders were crap. The Raiders were the bottom of the league and bottom of the barrel and the laughing stock of the NFL before Derek Carr got there. He at least got them to a respectable level. He at least got them to a level where we're sitting here disappointed because they're not making the playoffs. Ten years ago, we weren't saying that. Ten years ago, we were happy when they won five games. And while I can a thousand percent agree with the rationale of, oh, that's not good enough for him to keep around to keep him around, I do think it is enough to at least show him some respect as he walks out and not dance on this guy's grave as he goes out, quite honestly, without having the dignity of at least finishing the season and finishing on his own terms. Again, I understand from the Raiders' perspective. I understand from Mark Davis's perspective. You're not going to put $40 million on the line just to make someone necessarily feel better. And I don't know if there ever was going to be a good way for this breakup to happen, but this does feel pretty shitty. And I feel like you can acknowledge that the Raiders needed to make this decision and still point out that this kind of sucks the way it all played out for a guy that, again, has stood up there at the podium every single time. The closest we've gotten to him ever saying a bad word about the Raiders or his teammates was him crying at the press conference after the Indy game, which never called anybody out specifically. And Derek Carr did handle himself with a ton of class. And that's, I think, the part that really makes it tugs at you a little bit or can tug at some people for Raider fans where he did handle himself well. And let's be honest, I was thinking about it earlier. I don't know if the Raiders have really had like an end of an era like this. I mean, obviously the last between Carr and Gannon was a lot of crap that nobody cared about that guys that didn't care about this organization were ended up leaving. And one thing about Derek Carr, again, you can't say about him is that guy did care. That guy did want to win with the Raiders. And I think that's part of it too, where I'm sitting here saying like, maybe let's pump the brakes a little bit and not be such an asshole to this guy for for once and 
and leave the football part out of it. Because again, I do think Derek kind of deserves a little bit better and all that and all that stuff. So again, don't know if it was going to happen on a good way or if there was a good way for this to happen, but it sucks that it's happening this way. And I know we live in this world where you got to be on one side of the fence or the other. There is no middle ground or no seeing both sides of the argument. But again, I think it's fair to sit there and say that this had to happen. The Raiders had to move on and go in a different direction. But I don't think, or I think it's also fair to acknowledge that this situation sucks for a guy that has poured his heart and soul in the, the, to this organization for the last 10 years and he's getting kicked to the curb. And to finish my thought, like I was talking about earlier, got a little bit of a ramble there. But I feel like also what makes this kind of fresh for Raider fans is they haven't we haven't had like a end of an era for a quarterback in a while. Like you think about the quarterbacks that are between Gannon and Carr, not a whole lot of guys that were worth better. Not a whole lot of guys that we were sitting here, I'd be sitting here pounding the table for saying we need to show that guy respect on the way out. Because they didn't give a shit when they were here. They sucked when they were here on the field too even worse than Derek did, and they didn't give a shit, and we're out. And, I mean, even with Gannon, I mean, Gannon's tenure with the Raiders was basically like three years. Very grateful for the time that Gannon had. Obviously had a lot of success and all that, but it wasn't like a guy that was a homegrown, someone you drafted, someone you kind of brought up, and then kind of walked away. The only other guy or the most recent guy I can think of that really is kind of like that would be Stabler. I mean, a lot of the Raiders quarterbacks in the, the 90s were a lot of guys that were either retreads or guys that didn't plan out, like Todd Moranovich and those kind of guys. So I think that's what also kind of makes this fresh and makes it sting a little bit for people too is this is the first time in a while that the Raiders have really had an end of an era and a big change at quarterback from someone that they've had for years and a lot of people grew up watching to, uh, to have them go. So again... Knew it had to happen. Knew it had to go, had to be sometime soon and had to be this season. Just kind of sucks that it's going away, going down like this. Second question, and this won't be a quick one because I've kind of already talked about it for the entire episode. Do you think the benching of Carr means he is gone? I doubt they would trade him, so they'd have to cut him. Or do you think Javis just wants a better draft uh, spot and not to hurt Carr and not to hurt Carr, and he's back next season? So. Obviously, I think this is gone. I think you look at anybody that's close to the situation, it's pretty clear the writing is on the wall. Um, and I think the thing that slams it shut for me is, is the fact that he's not going to be around. I think if it was just a matter of, hey, we just don't want you to get hurt and we just want to tank, one, I don't think that would sit well with Carr, just hearing him talk and everything and the competitor that he is. But two, the fact that they don't want him around, like, or he doesn't want to be around, they don't want him to be around and all that good stuff, like, that's pretty telling that that this is over. I do think they can trade him. The problem is going to be the timeline because I think that guaranteeing his contract is like the fifth day of the league year or something like that. Um, obviously, tampering doesn't really exist in the NFL, so they can still negotiate the trade between now and then. So I think they'll be able to get something done for a team that might be looking for a quarterback in the offseason. So I think they can trade him, and I think he is – Got enough value that'll be tradable. The contract's going to be an issue, but I think uh, I think he can. They can at least get something in return for him. Um, but yeah, and I could also see them cutting him and kind of just letting him walk away. That's their way there of of kind of 
respecting him or paying homage to him, kind of whatever you want to do that. I can't think of the right word there. But basically, that's their way of him letting him go out on his own terms so he can just go literally wherever he wants instead of finding a scenario that's good for the Raiders. Um, but as far as, you know, David, this may move to get a better draft spot, I mean, it'll end up being that way, but I don't, that's not the reason why they're making this move. Um, I, they're making this move because they want to move on from Derek Carr. As they're done. And if you go back and you read uh, Vic Tafer's article on, their, on the matter, it kind of sounds like Davis has been pushing for this and might have made a last-second push. It was speculation by Vic, but Vic had basically um, said his gut read on the, on the situation was that Ziegler and McDaniels were at least willing to insert or willing to uh, entertain the idea of keeping Derek Carr around, and then Mark Davis stepped in and said, no, nah, put the kibosh on it and had them move on. And uh, apparently Mark Davis hasn't really been sold on Derek for a while. And, I mean, and uh, Vic brought this up, and it's pretty well known that Mark Davis was going to let Dave Ziegler and Mark, Mark Josh McDaniels do whatever they wanted to do with Carr, let that, left that open to them if they wanted to get rid of him. So, yeah, it feels like this is coming from da- Mark Davis is saying, I'm done with this guy and I want to move on. And also in that report too, sorry, you're getting, you guys are getting a lot of my random thoughts just as they're coming to my head today. So this, this part of the segment, this part of the show might not make a whole lot of, a lot of sense linearly or anything like that. But, um, Mark Davis, apparently are people within the Raiders when they were interviewing for the head coach and GM job were shocked at how people within the Raiders organization spoke about Carr in a negative light. So it feels like we probably should have seen this coming, especially with the contract extension that. Um, included this provision when that was pointed out. So I guess at the end of the day, jokes on all of us. We should have seen this, but yeah, this is a thousand percent a move to make sure that he's gone. Question three: Do you see Adam still with the Raiders if Carr is gone? To be honest with you guys, I don't really know. I I would think Devontae Adams he still wanted to be a Raider, and I think he still want to be around, and he's getting paid pretty handsomely to be a Raider. I would think that would be enough for him to stick around. But, I mean, you guys heard me read his quote. Derek Carr was his guy. Derek Carr was part of the reason why he was there. Or here in the first place, I should say. So, I think there is that emotional string that uh, is kind of attached to this situation where I could see him wanting to leave. And the other thing that kind of makes me lean towards he might want to force his way out and be one and done with the Raiders is I think part of the reason why he didn't want to be in Green Bay anymore was with the uncertainty surrounding Rodgers where you never know if he's going to retire or whatever. And I don't think Devontae Adams really was keen on the idea of breaking in uh, Jordan Love or some other quarterback in Green Bay while he turns 30 and is probably in the back half of his career. So I would be even more surprised if he's willing to do that with a rookie for for the Raiders this year. But again, maybe he just wants to stick around. Maybe he wants to stay and be a be close to his family since they're from California and all that, and still playing for this childhood team. So to be honest with you guys, I don't have a great read on this situation right now. Um, I like to think that he's going to want to want to stick around, but this would be uh, definitely a black guy to the organization if Devontae wants to leave just because they got rid of Carr. But yeah, I get I if I had to lean one way or the other, I would say 60-40 he comes back, if that makes sense. But again, I don't I don't have a great feel in it either way next up and this one is a would you rather would you rather a 
load up on offense and defense, or excuse me, defense and offensive line and 23 free agency, then insert Levis or Stroud. B, buy a bridge quarterback, Baker, Jimmy, etc., and then go after May slash Williams in 24. C, only focus on offense and or on defense and offensive line for three years, stockpiling draft capital with low win seasons, and go get Arch Manning in 25. I'm going to eliminate C right off the bat just because a three-year um, po- stockpile or a three-year uh, plan to rebuild is, one, going to get your staff fired, so no staff's going to agree to that, and two, by the time you build everything up and want to bring in Arch Manning, a lot of the guys on your current roster, like Max Crosby, I mean, even Hunter Renfro will be getting up there. Just talking about Devontae Adams. Waller is definitely going to be up there. So now you've kind of wasted all of their good years, and I think you keep doing that, you're going to get guys that want to get out by year two. Um, so I'll go ahead and eliminate that one right off the back. I'll probably go with A, load up on off- or load up on defense and offensive line, then insert uh, Levis or Stroud. Uh, I'm not huge on Levis at the moment. I kind of I kind of like Stroud. Again, I haven't been paying attention to the quarterbacks because I didn't think the Raiders were going to be in the market. Obviously, that changes now. So my gut feeling is, it, is I'd rather go after Stroud. I'm a little worried about Levis. I do like the idea of improving the defense and then getting, uh, you know, the the value of having a rookie quarter or having that rookie quarterback contract so that you can build the rest of the roster because that is the other thing with the Derek Carr situation is. Losing Derek Carr is not going to make that defense any better, and losing Derek Carr is uh, not going to be not going to be uh, not going to make that offensive line block any better and all that good stuff. So, I definitely think that would be my strategy. The bridge quarterback scenario. The thing that I don't like about that is one, I don't think Baker Mayfield's all that good. I mean, I don't think Baker Mayfield, with how he's been playing lately, I don't think Baker's leaving L.A. anytime soon. Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I'll go over this in the next question. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they end up doing, bringing in Jimmy and then going after uh, either a quarterback in this draft class and letting him sit for a year or, um, or uh, I'm blanking on his name, um, May and Williams, uh, going after either one of those next year in the draft. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they end up doing. My problem with that is if you bring in a veteran quarterback, I mean, granted, it'll be a lower number, but you're still going to be spending quite a bit of cap on your quarterback, which is part of the problem with Carr. So do you want to get Jimmy Garoppolo on a slightly less expensive deal that's not quite as good but has a lot of similar issues as Derek Carr? Or do you want to try somebody young and new um, who, again, is a bigger risk but will also be a lot cheaper and you can at least improve the rest of the rest of the roster a little bit better? That's kind of why I go with A. Obviously, it's a little bit more the probably the biggest risk out of all three of the options to try and uh, get a rookie quarterback. But yeah, that would be my route. All right, and I'll make this one the last car question, and it's simple. What's next? Good question. Kind of hinted at this um, a little bit when I was just talking, but I feel like it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. It's going to be the next quarterback. Obviously, Tom Brady's going to be the pipe dream, and I think if Tom Brady wants to be a Raider, Tom Brady will be a Raider. Because, I mean, we already heard about it. Was it? I don't even remember if it was the offseason or just the beginning of the, the regular season where Dana White basically said he had a deal for um, to bring Tom Brady to Las Vegas and Gruden canned it. So we already know Mark Davis has some interest. And, I mean, even if it doesn't work on the football field from Mark Davis's perspective, you can at least market the fact that you're bringing Tom Brady into town, which is going to do great for business. So you know he's going to be in for that. Obviously, there's a connection with uh, – 
with McDaniels and the, the Patriots and Brady and all that good stuff. Um, the thing I have with Brady is, one, do we know if he's going to want to come to the Raiders? Because here's the thing. Part of his problem right now in with the Bucks is that their offensive line is terrible and that he's getting beat up. And the thing with the Bucks' offensive line is Ryan Jensen's been out, I believe, all year. Uh, Donovan Smith's been out for a little bit. I think one of their guards has been out too. So the Bucks can get better next year on the offensive line. Their biggest problem on the offensive line is that they're beat up. The Raiders' biggest problem, especially the interior three, is they're just not that good. I mean, Parham has potential. Uh, I think Andre James has taken a step back this year. And then Alex Bars is legitimately like a stopgap, in my opinion. So if you're going to bring in Brady... One, he's going to be the $40 million, which, okay, yeah, you might pay for a guy like Brady because obviously he has the resume that he does. But two, now you're also going to have to improve the offensive line because unless he, I guarantee you he is not going to want to come to the Raiders with the way it's currently constructed, especially after going through what he's just gone through with the Bucks this year. So you're going to have to pour more money into that, which, again, is less money to the defense. And again, and... For me, part of it is when I watch the Bucks, when I watch Brady, yes, the offensive line is bad. He's also missing a lot of throws that we're not used to Tom Brady missing. And you can see it in his face, too. Like, just watching his reactions after his throws, like, he's surprised he's missing it, and he's getting pissed at himself. And he's not playing that well, either. He's not playing like the Tom Brady we've seen in the past. Now, the difference is, in the last at least month, he's been putting money on the two-minute drives when it counts. So, there is still that part of Tom Brady that's around. But again... He has not looked the same, and he has not been the same guy that we've been used to seeing. And part of me, too, like going back to would Tom Brady want to come to the Raiders? I mean, he's obviously been through a ton of crap in his personal life. People will point to his divorce and his, uh, his financial troubles as maybe a reason why he'd want to keep playing or has to keep playing. Um, but the other thing to remember, too, is he's got a fat contract by, with Fox just sitting there waiting for him to go up into the booth when he retires. And I mean... If you're going to make just as much money talking about football, well, guess what? On Monday morning when you wake up and you're just doing commentating, it's a lot easier or you wake up with a lot less pain than you do when you're playing, especially behind a bad offensive line. So part of me one, one thinks Brady might not be – Brady might retire in the offseason, might not be an option for anybody. But, yeah, kind of my read on the whole situation, that was a long-winded way of me saying – talking, trying to talk you guys out, I guess, of the Tom Brady experiment – long-winded way of saying if I had to bet on it right now as it stands at December 29th at let's see about 7 p.m pacific time here on Thursday uh, I'm gonna go with Jimmy Garoppolo being the Raiders next starting quarterback because like I was just talking about with Brady has that familiarity with uh with McDaniels knows the system and has been solid been played well at points this year but I don't know if that's gonna be the uh exactly what Raider fans are looking for and if you get Jimmy Garoppolo, I would still look at drafting a C.J. Stroud or maybe a Bryce Young and having them sit for a year. But yeah, if I had to guess right now at the current moment, I'd say Jimmy Garoppolo's starting quarterback for the Raiders next year. Next question, and we're moving on from the car stuff. Why are the Raiders so horrible at two-minute defense? Can stop a team all game on the last drive. We send the same four pass rushers and they get gassed. Well, I think you kind of answered your own question there. I think with the Raiders, a big part of what helps their defense, especially against the pass, is that they do have some good pass rushers, especially now that Chandler Jones, or Chandler Jones was playing better, and that Bilal Nichols for a few weeks at least was stepping it up 
and then Max Crosby's obviously doing his thing. The problem with two-minute drill is two-minute drill really exposes your DBs because, like you said, even if you are rotating pass rushers, which is harder because, again, the offense doesn't have to let you sub if they don't sub, um, your pass rushers are going to get gassed. You're going to get less pressure, especially the longer the drive goes on. So what that means is your coverage defenders are going to have to be even stickier, and the Raiders' DBs and their corners, they've been banged up all year. They're super thin back there. Nate Hobbs has played, honestly, terrible since he got back from uh, injury. So I think that's kind of what it is, is you just see the Raiders' secondary get exposed because their pass rush isn't there and isn't going to be there at the end of the game to kind of save that secondary's ass. So I think that's part of the reason why they're they're struggling in the two minutes is they're just not getting pressure, like you kind of pointed out, because that's kind of what the two-minute drill is. The two-minute drill sometimes can be your best pass protection. Uh, that's part of the reason why, not to circle back on it, but circle back on it, why the Bucks have been better in two-minute drives because they can negate another team's pass rush that way. So I think that's kind of the biggest difference is Raiders just in the, their defensive backfield is bad, and their pass rush during the game can can kind of mask it a little bit, and then it just gets exposed when those when the rush isn't hitting home. Last one, how could the Raiders not pass the ball better when Pittsburgh focused so much so heavily on Adams? Well, I said this wasn't going to be about Carr anymore, but it just naturally turned to that. I mean, I think the other thing too, and part of again why I'm talking about with the this needed to happen is Derek was missing a ton of throws that game. We all know Derek's not great in the cold, and he did play terrible. And I think even you know when he was targeting Devontae when he's open, he missed him and was missing behind guys and just not his uh, normal self that we've seen in the past. The other thing is, too, is outside of Devontae, no one really gets open. Like, especially without or with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller banged up for the majority of the year, they don't get a lot of, a lot of, not a lot of guys are getting open. Matt Collins is not a great separator. Um, Keelan Cole, not a good separator. Like a lot of their guys don't really get open, and that's probably been been part of the problem with the passing attack this year is without Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller in there as often as they're or as injured as they've been and not on the field as much as uh, you would have liked. Nobody besides Devontae really gets open all that frequently, and that's the the frustrating part. But yeah, hey, like I said, two games left. We'll see. Hopefully someone steps up. Maybe we'll see a difference with Stidham in there, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Two weeks. All right, that'll do it for this week's show. As your weekly reminder, the Raiders kick off at 1.05 p.m. PST on Fox this Sunday, so a different channel, and it'll be a new year as the game will be played on New Year's Day. So make sure to tune in, and Happy New Year to everybody. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter, at mholder95. Follow Silver and Black Pride. Until next time, guys.